This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins from my Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Faith is important, an all-important subject in the Bible. And then let me underscore something. You see, faith is not an isolated spiritual force. It works in conjunction with other spiritual forces. Amen. I tell you, we're strong about faith. We endeavor to be, but we are stronger about love because God is love. Love is the most potent characteristic of God. But the truth is that it's by faith that we receive and we walk in victory. Everything has the part that it plays. Faith can play love's part. Love can play hope's part. Everything has the part it plays. We take all of it together, amen, which we're going to look at in this session. So faith is an all-important subject in the Bible. Then we also uh, talked about the fact that faith is acting on the word of God. It's not hope. It's not natural human faith. It's not mental assent. It's a persuasion, firm persuasion, a conviction that comes from hearing God's word, based on God's word. And we said if you really believe, you will act. So we could define faith like this. Faith is acting on the word of God. Faith is acting like the Bible is true. Amen. So we want to look at how faith comes. How faith comes. Turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Notice it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing. It comes by hearing and hearing. It doesn't say faith comes by having heard. Now, let me explain this. Every Christian, when we got born again, God dealt to us the measure of faith. We are believers. We are not doubters. We already have faith because we are believers. So we go to the word of God to feed our faith. Now, one thing we need to see is this. Romans 3.27 says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. So it calls faith a law. That word law there, nomo, means a principle. A principle that you are certain of the outcome. So it's a principle. Yes, there are principles to faith. The truth is, for instance, in Mark 11.23, Jesus said, whosoever shall say. So it will work for anybody. Amen. So, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith in God comes from hearing his word. Faith doesn't come by having heard. It comes by hearing and hearing, which denotes continuous action, continuous hearing. It doesn't come by having heard. It comes by hearing and hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing, by hearing and hearing. Hearing what? God's word. God's word. You see, there's one foundation for faith, only one, and that's the living word of God. As we become one with God's word in our actions, faith becomes but an unconscious reality. You see, unanswered prayers stand between many individuals and a faith life. Some have lost faith altogether. Many have resorted to metaphysical and philosophical cults because their prayer lives were failures. You know, the other guy said it like this. He said, that faith business has me whipped. We talked about it in church the other day. You know, marvelous promises. All things are possible to him that believeth. All things you shall ask in prayer, believe in, you shall receive. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But he didn't tell us how to get it. 
How do I get it? How does it work? You see, faith comes by hearing. The word of God is what produces faith. Now, faith does not come by hearing testimonies. Are you listening? It doesn't come by hearing testimonies. You know, someone's going to say, but, but, but the Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Actually, when the Bible says the word of their testimony, it's talking about the word of God on their lips, by their confession. That's what that's saying. Now, is it good to give testimonies? Yes, it's good. But don't base your faith on somebody's testimony. A testimony can inspire faith. You can see that God is no respecter of persons. If he did it for A, he can do it for B. But you don't now say, God is going to do it for me because he did it for her. That's no basis. That's not God's word. That's experience. That's someone's experience. Faith is not based on experience. Yes, the testimonies can inspire faith. But faith is not built on testimonies. Miracles. What about miracles? Does, do see miracles produce faith? No. You can see all the miracles. When Jesus was on earth, they saw the miracles, but they still refused to believe. Miracles can inspire faith also. Seeing the supernatural at work can inspire faith also. But there's one foundation for faith, and that's God's word. Now, there's one trap we shouldn't get into, and I tell us this trap. It's a trap of results, in quotes. Are you listening? A trap of results. And, you know, be careful what you call results. You know, a big bank account, you think that's results. Big infrastructure, you think that's results. Be careful what you call results. That doesn't mean you got it by faith. See, the Bible says, except the Lord build the house, the labor in vain that build it. So they got the house built. It might have been even beautiful, but the Lord might not be in it. Do <laughs> you see that? Faith is built on the word of God. Testimonies can inspire faith. Seeing miracles can inspire faith. Praying doesn't give faith either. You know, faith doesn't come by praying. A prayer for faith will not produce faith. It's an expression of unbelief. Because God said he's giving you faith. And you're saying, God, give me faith. What you're really saying is, God, I know you're a liar. 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 Are you going to get God to work for you calling him a liar? You're not. So praying for faith is not going to give faith. The only thing that gives faith is God's word. Now, in the place of prayer, God could speak to you. But it's not prayer that produces faith. It's God's word. Amen. What about praying in tongues? I thought Jude 20 said, faith builds, uh, praying in tongues builds our faith. He doesn't say so. Jude 20, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So praying in the Holy Ghost doesn't build your faith. It builds you up on your faith. It stimulates your faith. Sometimes we know what to do. We know what God's word says, but we just need a little stimulant, a little push to act on what we know. Yes, praying in tongues will help that. See, it takes faith to talk in tongues. Do you see that? But talking in tongues will not give you faith. Am I disparaging talking in tongues? My God, there's no telling how many hours I've talked in tongues today. And there's no telling how much I'm still going to talk in tongues after I leave this. So I'm not speaking against tongues. I'm not speaking against prayer. The thing is, however, what produces faith is God's word. Is God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God's word is what produces faith. That's how faith comes. Comes by hearing the word of God. It doesn't come by having heard. It comes by hearing and hearing. You know, some people have itching ears. You know, you get on some subject, say, oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've heard that before. 
Usually, anybody who has that attitude, I've heard that before, usually doesn't know anything. Listen, I've eaten rice. I just got through eating rice. I ate rice, perhaps yesterday. I ate rice, perhaps some day before. Any opportunity I get to eat good rice, I'll still seize it. You know, if you're looking for something you've never heard before, you may just as well go to heaven. The truth is, we keep building on the same basic building blocks. We never outgrow the basics. Are you listening? In actual fact, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest by any means they sleep. Actually, we sleep away from them. We drift away from them. So we need to constantly keep going back to those same basic truths of the word of God. Now, there's a sense in which we can have faith for the new birth, faith for the baptism in the Holy Ghost, faith for healing, faith for prosperity, faith for victorious Christian living, faith for whatever it is we are trusting God for. But listen, we must not lose sight of faith in God as our father, of an underlying persuasion about God and his word. You know, there was one, uh, I went to preach in one church in Lagos many, many years back. The fellow, there was this fellow, he used to attend the church. His pastor had been assassinated. A man of God, lovely man. So the guy backslid. Stop going to church. Stop fellowshipping with God. And I had the opportunity to talk with him. You know what I asked him? I said, okay, so because your pastor went in heaven, you want to go to hell. I said, how smart is that? He looked at me. He had never seen it like that. You know, because he was all about, ah, he was a man of God. If that man could die like that, ah, I don't even know self. Look, what is your faith in? Is it in God's word or is it in men? Let me tell you something. The best of men of God at their best are men. And guess what? Imperfections characterize men. Never exalt a man above what is written. Listen, I love Brother Hagin. I love him so much. I've studied him more than anybody else. I've read all the books he's ever put out. Listen to all the messages he's put out. Have all of them. You know, those that are out, I have them. But this is it. He's a man. And Rema is not built around a man. Yes, there's a mandate. God gave a man. And we're following that mandate. But you see, Brother Hagin taught us to put the word first. If you can't see it in the Bible... Don't take my word for it. Don't accept anything because somebody said it. Because man can be wrong. Man can be wrong. What does God's word say about it? What does God's word say about it? So, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we, the measure of our faith is the measure of our knowledge of our father and of our rights and privileges in his family. I made a statement I said fellowship is the mother of faith. You know, the way some people talk about believing God, you know, it, it looks like it's just all formula to them. Listen, it's about my father. It's about my rights in his family. Simply get acquainted with your father through his word. Walk in the closest possible fellowship with him. Get to know him. Get to know what Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Get to know what Jesus is still doing for us at the right hand of the Father. Get to know who you are, what you have, what you can do because you're in Christ. Then the thing is this, faith is going to become a strong, mighty force. Close fellowship with the object of your affection produces love. Anything you fellowship or anyone you fellowship closely with, you get a trust, provided the person is trustworthy. 
And listen, God is trustworthy. There's something about understanding his character, knowing his person, getting acquainted with him, knowing how much he loves you, knowing how much he cares about you. See, Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. It wasn't just a matter of what I believe, in whom I have believed. So there is a person. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. The Bible is Christocentric. It's not just, you know, letter. It's not just formula. It's relationship. It's fellowship. Yes, there's a sense in which we could see the Bible as a bag of seeds. And then, depending on the harvest you want, you go pick up the seed. When I say seed there, I'm not talking about giving now. Is it scriptural to give? Yes, in, in balance. You know, yes, Bible teaches giving and receiving. But I'm talking about God's word is a seed. Find what God's word says concerning that area. Plant the seed of God's word in that area into your heart. See, Mark 4.24 says, take heed how you hear. What you hear. Luke 8.18. We have to pay attention to what we hear and how we hear it. In Mark 4, 24, the Amplified Bible says the same thought and study you give to what you hear will determine the virtue and the revelation you get out of it. So it's important to take time to feed on God's word. See, the word of God is faith food. The word of God is faith food. That's the food of our faith. That's the food of our faith. P.C. Nelson said this. He said, constantly feed along the lines of faith and healing. Say, because the day will come when you will either need faith for your own healing or for the healing of a loved one. And if your faith is not kept strong in that area, you will be at a disadvantage. Smith Wigglesworth said it like this. He said, if you wait until you need faith and then try to get it, you might have waited too late. F.F. Bosworth put it like this. He said, many Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day. Their spirits one cold snack a week. And then they wonder why they are so weak in faith. You see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to spend time to hear. Hearing is not just hearing it with those two outer ears. It's talking about hearing it in your spirit, getting the revelation of it in your heart. Psalm 119 verse 130 says the entrance of his word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. You see, faith follows light. As soon as the light of God's word comes in, faith is there. Faith is the concomitant of knowledge. Faith is the concomitant of knowledge. Faith follows light. If there's an area where you are being challenged, in all probability, you don't know enough in that area. In all probability. Not always the case, but many times. So what do you get? You get knowledge in that area. You feed on God's word some more in that area. Listen, God's word will whip anything. Will whip anything black and blue. You know, Charles Caps was preaching somewhere one time. Someone said to him, he said, you folks... Everything the word said, the word said, the word said. You're trying to make the word God. We don't have to make the word God. The Bible already made the word God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. See, this is not mind over matter. This is about the word of God over all creation. God's word created everything in the first place. So it will exercise dominion over everything too. So the measure of our faith is the measure of our knowledge of God's word. Is the measure of our knowledge of God's word. So we must pursue knowledge. We should give ourselves to the study and meditation of God's word. See, whatever you meditate in, you become empowered to practice. We need to take time to build persuasion in our hearts. Build conviction in our spirits. 
by meditating on the word, feeding upon it, feeding upon it. Now, I read the Bible through at least once every year. Reading is good. Takes me 21 straight hours to read the New Testament. I've done that. You know, sat down, put my butt down, said I'm going to read from Matthew 1, 1, 21 hours after I was in Revelations 22, 21. Now that's good. But listen, that's just reading. That's just basic. You know, I don't want to get to heaven and you meet Nahum and he says, did you read my book? You say, which one? You say the one that was published by Macmillan or the one that was published by Longman? And then he says, no, it's a book in the Bible. He says, which Bible? He says, Apocrypha. He says, no, it's among the 66. And your mouth falls open. You know, you don't want that to happen to you. So you want to get acquainted with God's word. All of it. But reading, it's okay. Bible says still I come, give attendance to reading. So there's a place for reading. Paul said, let this special be read. So there's a place for reading. But beyond reading is studying. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. If you don't study, you are not going to rightly divide the word. Now, if the word should be rightly divided, it can be rightly divided. And that also tells me it can be wrongly divided. It can be wrongly divided. One major divide is the divide between the old covenant and the new covenant. If you don't get that divide, you don't get anything. Believe me. You know, some people act as if we're still in the old covenant. What some people sometimes try to practice is glorified Judaism not Christianity. Now, am I saying we should take the Old Testament and trade it out and shred it and throw it in the thrash bin? I'm not saying so. But I'm saying we are not under the Old Covenant anymore. You see, the whole Bible is written for me. But the epistles are the letters written to me. The bulk of our diet as Christians should be from the epistles. See, reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you won't know why Jesus died. You won't. Those who were with him then did not. In Acts 1, Peter began to ask him, will you at this time restore the kingdom again to Jerusalem? Just imagine. How absurd. Which kingdom? He was thinking politics. Jesus was talking about you guys. Go preach the gospel. He didn't get it. If Peter didn't get it, believe me, I don't think you will have gotten it either. Or I will have gotten it either. But in the epistles, the epistles are the letters written to the church. Actually, read your Bible with eyeglasses that are colored with the epistles. If you don't understand the epistles, you will not understand the Bible. I'm telling you. You must read the Bible in the light of the epistles. That's the diet we are to feed on. That's where the bulk of our feeding should come from. All the Bible, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So all scripture is inspired. Romans 15, 4 says the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning so that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So we had to learn the things written in the old covenant. They are for our learning, our learning, our learning. So we had to learn it. 1 Corinthians 10, 11, the things that happened to Israel, they happened to them as end samples, as examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So we have those things as types and shadows. But listen, the reality has come now. The Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. Walk in the closest possible fellowship with your father. Get acquainted with him through his word. And then faith just comes alive. Faith just comes alive. You are not manipulating it. You are not walking it up. You know him. He's your father. You know what he said. You're convinced about it. 
You have a relationship with him. You are in fellowship with him. You are sure of what his will is. You have a persuasion that can be shaken out of you. Now, for instance, look at salvation. Romans 10, 13. From verse 13, he says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 14 says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Now verse 17 now says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith for salvation comes from hearing God's word about salvation. Faith comes from hearing the word preached. Now some people have said, Well, the Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That that Greek word for word of God there is the word rhema. So unless you have a rhema, you won't have faith. Now, listen, that's not true in the sense that they are saying it. Why was rhema used there? The context is talking about the preached word, which is the spoken word. It's talking about a preacher preaching. They didn't have printing presses. They didn't have books. So it was, they were preaching. So that's why it's the rhema he used. Amen. It's actually when we hear it in our spirits, that's when the light comes. So faith for salvation, you can't call on him if you have not, whom you have not believed. You can't believe in him of whom you have not heard. Can't hear without a preacher. Can't preach except they be sent. You know, talked about faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we need to preach God's word. We read in Acts 11, 13 and 14 about how Peter was giving his defense about he's going to Cornelius' house. You know, send for Peter. Who shall tell thee words? whereby thou and thy household shall be saved. See, men are saved by hearing words. Men are saved by hearing words. Men are saved by hearing words. Whose words? God's words. So that's how faith for salvation comes, by hearing the gospel preached about salvation. See, there was a time I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost because I didn't know there was anything like that. My case was like those folks in Ephesus in Acts 19. Well, it says, and while Paul was at, uh, Apollos was at Ephesus, you know, Paul having, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast, came on to Ephesus, finding certain disciples. He said, have ye received the Holy Ghost as ye believed? They said, we've not so much as heard, whether there be any Holy Ghost. Of course, they couldn't be filled with the Holy Ghost because they didn't even know there was anything like being filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Peter preached, uh, Paul preached to them. He shared God's word with them about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. As soon as light from the word of God about being filled with the Holy Ghost came. They had faith for it. And then they received the Holy Ghost. You see that? Faith for healing. How does it come? Same way by hearing God's word about healing. In Acts 14, we read from verse 7 to 10, talking about Paul and Barnabas at Lystra. The Bible says, and there they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man, impotent at his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb. The same heard Paul speaking. Who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. The Bible says, and he leaped and walked. Now, in that place, Paul did three things, and that man did three things. What did Paul do? Number one, he preached the gospel. Number two, he perceived that the man had faith to be healed. Number three, he told the man, stand upright on thy feet. Well, the man did three things. What did he do? He heard Paul speak. He had faith to be healed. He leaped and walked. You see that? Now, there was something about the gospel that Paul preached that inspired faith in a lifelong cripple to get healed. Let me tell you something. We've sold the power of God short. That man wasn't healed because Paul was an apostle. That man wasn't healed because there was a manifestation of gifts of healings. 
or the gift of special faith. No. The man was healed on his own faith. A lifelong cripple. How did he get it? Paul preached the gospel. He got it from what Paul preached. Now, what Paul preached, obviously, wouldn't be what some people would call the gospel. You know, I heard some people say, well, we don't preach healing here. We just preach the gospel. My friend, if you preach the gospel, people will get faith for healing. Because the gospel is all-encompassing. Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now, that word salvation, according to Dr. C.I. Schofield, implies the ideas of deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. See, there's no separating healing from the, the healer. There's no separating healing from the gospel. Amen. Healing is part and parcel of the gospel. The gospel train runs on two tracks. One side, the new birth for the human spirit. The other side, divine healing for his physical body. Are you listening? It's part of the gospel. Acts 8 verse 5 says, And Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. It says, The people gave heed with one accord, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with loud voices came out of many that were possessed. Many that were lame and had the palsy were healed. And there was great joy in that city. What did he preach? Christ. And then there were healings. Because there's no separating healing from the healer. Christ is the healer. Healing is part and parcel of the gospel. Do we get that? It's part and parcel of the gospel. So healing is God's will for us. Because it's in his word. Anything we have God's word for, we can believe for. Are you listening? Now, don't get me wrong. Don't let's get into this trap where it's all about things. Where we see the object of faith as in getting things. You know, my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. Well, I want to go to that faith school so I can get another car. I want to go to that faith school so I can let, believe God for a bigger mansion. I want to go to that faith school so I can have faith to believe God for an estate. My friend, that's not what we're about. Our heart as Christians is not about how I can get this, how I can get that. Our heart is how I want to obey God and be a blessing to his people. So it's not, don't let's get on that trap. Yes, does God want us to have things? He does. But we shouldn't put having things first. We should put pursuing a vital fellowship, a living relationship with our Father. Getting to know him. Walking in intimate fellowship with him. Getting persuaded of his word. Knowing his will. Just walking in as close a fellowship as possible with him. Then getting the things will be the easiest thing. See, the Bible says your father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Say, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We shouldn't get into that trap where we see material things as the object of faith. Don't get me wrong. I believe in prosperity as much as anybody else. Are you listening to me? Yeah. God doesn't want us poor. He wants us rich. But we must put first things first. It's not about how you can get a car. It's not about how you can get a house. No, it's about how you can have a vital fellowship with your father. It's about how you can know him intimately. It's how you can do his will. It's how you can be a blessing to people. It's how we can take the gospel out. It's about having our priorities right and our perspectives in place. Amen. People mean everything to God. Everything to God. And if we fellowship with him, his heartbeat will be our heartbeat. The things that are important to him will be important to us. The lost will be important to us. 
Getting believers established in the faith will be important to us. Don't get me wrong. God wants us to have all the things, but he wants us to put relationship and fellowship with him first. Do we get that? And then faith comes from hearing, by hearing God's word. If it's faith for salvation, or faith for the baptism in the Holy Ghost, or faith for healing, or faith for prosperity, comes from hearing God's word about that subject. Amen. Now, in a general sense, like I said, we ought to feed on the entire counsel of God's word, all of it, but most especially the New Testament, and more so the epistles. Feed on the word of God. Meditate in it. What does it mean to meditate? Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. What does it mean to meditate? It means to think upon, to actively read, to mutter, say over and over and over and over to oneself, to build it on the inside of you. You see, it's not what you eat that counts, it's what you digest. Are you listening? You are not full of God's word to the degree you quote it. Now, I don't have a problem with quoting. Some people make it sound like if you quote scriptures, then something's wrong with you. No, there's nothing wrong with quoting. Kenneth Hagin quoted 80% of the New Testament. Yeah. Nothing wrong with quoting scriptures. Nothing wrong with it. You know? But it's not about quoting. You are full of God's word to the degree that you, it governs you. To the degree that you practice it. When Jesus was tempted, he just said it is written. He didn't say it was written in Deuteronomy. You know, I've heard some people say, eh, sometimes I have trouble knowing where this verse is found. Well, it's good to learn to know that. But what's important is to have the word of God firmly imp imprinted in your heart. Get acquainted with God through his word. Get to know him in his word. Fellowship with his word. Build his word in your spirit. See, there are some people who are too busy to study their Bibles. Look, they don't mind owing money to buy gold so that somebody can turn the the, the side of his grandfather that died 20 years ago and turned it to the other side. And he go and borrow money to buy gold so that they can do one bear at that occasion. They don't have trouble with having coupon, having whatever. And look, I'm not against, in heaven, the streets are gold. So God doesn't have trouble with your gold stuff. It doesn't freak him. It doesn't make him nervous. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. <laughs> money, look, he owns all the money. He made all of it. The gold and the silver are his. It doesn't make him freak out. Are you listening? But there's something wrong with the same people don't care about buying another Bible. The one they are using, the first two chapters of Genesis are torn because it was the one somebody forgot in church one day. The last three chapters of Revelation are gone. But that one is okay for them. You know, go, say, can I buy the city of this place? Say, how much city? Say, 200. Ah, your city is expensive. It's expensive. 200 naira. Just one CD. Ah. And then the same person will go down the road, you know, and 2,000 naira will lay down his life for his tummy. That's going to go out in one closet somewhere. One water closet, I mean. You know? Look, let's put our priorities right. Let's spend time in the word. Let's get to know God in his word. Let's study the word. Let's meditate in the word. Let's build God's word into our heart. If there's an area where you are challenged, let me tell you something. There was a time I had health challenges, extremely serious health challenges that were a matter of life and death. What did I do? I buried myself in God's word about faith and healing. And I just studied it day and night, day and night. Just studied it and studied it and studied it and kept meditating in it and kept muttering it to myself and kept speaking it to myself. 
One day I just woke up and I couldn't find the sickness anymore. It was gone. It's been over 20 years now. Don't mind telling you I'm going to live and die without a headache. I haven't had a headache in so many years, in decades. I haven't had malaria in years. I haven't needed a tablet in years. Now, if I couldn't get healed other by, than by taking a tablet, I will. Amen. Amen. So don't feel condemned where you are at. But this is it. We are to feed on the word. We are to stay in the word. He said, Proverbs 4, 20 to 22, My son, attend to my words. Pay attention to what I have to say. Everything else out, the word of God in. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. He said, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Says for their life unto those that find them, and their health, medicine to all their flesh. There is the ear gate, there is the eye gate, there is the mouth gate. Those gates go through the mind into the heart of man. See, your mind is the gateway into your spirit. Toss God's word around in your mind. Feed upon it. If there's an area where you are challenged, concentrate on that area, but... Don't get to a place where maybe you need a healing now and you're just pursuing healing, pursuing healing at the detriment of walking in close fellowship with God. No, something is wrong there. You're getting selfish about it. Yes, should you spend time about healing? You should, but don't just seek healing. Seek the healer. Seek a vibrant fellowship with him. Seek a vibrant relationship with him. Get to know him. Are there going to be times, let me also say this, is there such a thing as you acted on the word of God that it didn't work? It's a lie. Listen, I'm going to make a strong statement. And I mean every word of it. I would rather die and go to hell than say I acted on the word of God and it didn't work. If you act on God's word and it didn't work, then somebody ought to vacate his throne. People don't know how big that is. There's no such thing as you acted on the word of God and it didn't work. Now, there's some folks, they say things like, well, I believe God for this. God came through for me. If God hadn't done it, you know, he still would have been God. So I just give him the glory. We're trying to magnify God, right? And that's okay. We're trying to say, look, it's not about my faith. Yes, I believe. But you see, it's about him. And that's good. That's how it should be. Because even the faith we used to believe in is from him, isn't it? But this is it. As innocent as that statement sounds, is a lie. See, when God gave a promise to Abraham, the Bible says, seeing there was none greater to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, surely in blessing I will bless you. In multiplying I will multiply you. What he was telling Abraham is this, if I fail to keep my word, I will self-destruct. That's what God said. If it, this doesn't come to pass and you act on it, I'm going to destroy myself. That's what he was telling the, the dude. I swear by myself. You see, God's very throne stands back of his word. His throne stands back of it. His integrity stands back of it. If he said it, he meant it. If he meant it, he said it. And he's not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should repent. As he said it, and shall he not do it? As he spoken, and shall he not make it good? In Isaiah 55, 11, he said, So shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. In Titus 1-2, it says in hope of eternal life, which the God that cannot lie. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. Look, his character. Knowing that he is a good God. Knowing that he is a father God. Knowing that he is your father who loves you. Knowing that he is truth. He can't lie. His very throne is back of it. 
Listen, this thing is sworn in blood. We're talking blood stuff. He's sworn in blood. He's sworn in blood. It's a blood covenant. It's a blood covenant. And it was between God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, in the old covenant, when God called that, co called that covenant with Abraham, there were those animals. And then there was a walkway of blood. And then what happens is that the person is going to walk around it in a figure eight. And the meaning is this. If I don't keep my part of the covenant, may I be like this animal that was slaughtered? Listen, it's caught in blood. Jesus is the shorty of the new covenant. He stands back of it. He stands back of it. His blood is back of it. He'll bring it to pass. What are you trusting God for? You can be confident he will do it. He's your father. He loves you. See, there's something about knowing his love, knowing his heart, knowing his goodness. That's why we need to know, feed in the epistles. By the time you see what God went through in redemption to purchase us, you will come to the conclusion that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.